Hey guys, welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. My name is Steph Ganowski, and as a men's coach, I'm on a mission to help men prioritize themselves, take ownership over their challenges, set boundaries in their relationships, and much more, all while adding a female touch and perspective. I hope this podcast helps you. We need you men, and as a woman, I'm rooting for you. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today's episode is part two of discussing gender intelligence with Mark Sefton. So in this episode, we're going to be discussing topics around resentment and apathy, attachment theory, and understanding each other's needs as well as our own needs. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Here is the discussion with Mark Sefton. Hey Mark, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you on for part two. Whoop. <laughs> Excited to talk about a few more topics around gender intelligence, and also uh, I have a few around resentment and apathy too, which I think are interesting topics. Yes, they are very good. My my hair's a week older, so it's even more curlier. So the car mechanic look <laughs> is definitely you know well underway. You're good. No one's gonna see. Thank God, because I have a sweatshirt covered in dog hair right now. <laughs> so we'll just keep it to the audio. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll start off with the question related to resentment and apathy. So like what happened is I went out last night and the person I was talking to, we were talking about relationships and communication. And the person I was talking to said, you know, you know what I was told when it's really over and I never thought about this, but I was in a relationship and it made so much sense that this person told me, like, here's the sign when you know it's over. And apparently that person told him that resentment is when you know for sure that the relationship is past the point of no return, when you resent them. And my initial reaction wasn't resentment. My initial reaction was apathy. So I think my personal opinion is that a relationship is past the point of no return when the other person just, when one person just doesn't care anymore. It's like, I'm not even upset. I don't care. You know, it's like, they say the opposite of love isn't hate, it's apathy, right? So it's like, it's just that like, I give up, like, I just don't care anymore. Like I have no emotions to even give you. Like, you're not even worth my anger. You're not even worth my disappointment. Mm -hmm. And, but I thought it was interesting that he brought up resentment and he uh, related to that so deeply and said that that was definitely the reason for his previous breakup. And what I said in response was, it's interesting because I think resentment can go both ways. I think that, you know, when someone is very resentful of a person in a partnership, especially it's because they didn't communicate their needs to that person. Like, I believe a lot of resentment comes from that person not being able to communicate their needs to their partner and then because they can't communicate, they resent their partner for not giving them what they need. But meanwhile, it was really their, their fault for not translating the message accurately and also for allowing that treatment to happen for so long, which often mm -hmm. happens, right? We allow our partner to treat us a certain way for like years mm -hmm. and then we resent them for how they treat us when it's like, okay, but wait, we allowed it. Like we just sat there. We didn't find another way to communicate and we didn't leave. So really whose fault is that? So I just thought that was a really interesting like topic and conversation. I wanted to hear your viewpoint on that. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm hoping I respond to each of the things that were making me like think different thing. The first thing I would say is there's no relationship on planet Earth that that provokes so many emotions, both good and bad, than a romantic one. And that for me is really important because when you're in a romantic relationship, it really is the ground in which we are most triggered, we're most vulnerable, we're most intimate. So I think it is inevitable that our partners are going to be the ones that trigger the strongest sense of emotions we ever have. That that there is important because we're human, which means we both fail, which means the fact that we will get upset, we will hurt each other, we will do things that won't be nice for the other. And for me, it's interesting that this person who you shared about with resentment, the resentment could well be the reason why his relationship finished. But I would say that it's not an indication that your relationship is finished. Because have I felt resentment with my current partner? And has she felt resentment with me? Yes. And not at all do I feel that that's a sign that it's over. Um, I think, like I said, the intensity of emotions will always be uh, intensified in a romantic relationship. Like we tend to bear our all to the one that we love. You know, they have the power to really lift and the a power to, to kind of really make us fall. Apart from the fact you are very right in, in the sense of, there's a, there's a phrase that, called, that says, examine what you tolerate. And you're quite right about blame. And too often we get into the blame game. Um, it isn't about blame. It's really about trying to actually realize that we're both individuals. But the reason we're in a relationship is so that we can actually achieve more, be more, do more than what we ever could alone. And... I think resentment happens when you give something that you didn't give with the right motive. Because if I give something and then I resent my partner for it, well, then maybe it's more about the fact I shouldn't have given it in the first place. I think the, the most important thing here is the fact that it is inevitable that emotions run strong and they're amplified when you're in a, in a romantic re relationship and examine what you tolerate is that thought that I have when you were sharing about, you know, if somebody puts up with something for a couple of years, is that because you've allowed them to get away with it? Is the blame there or is the blame on the person who's not actually been treating their partner right? To be honest, it's never going to be helpful when it comes to whose blame it is. I'm a big believer it takes two people to make a relationship and two to make it break. Um, if you love someone, I believe that you should always be able to find a way. For me, relationships fail when the problem is greater than the love. Um, but I think resentment, you know, that just needs talking through and working through. You know, that's my personal thought. Mm, I like that.
I like that a lot. And I, John Gottman talks a lot about simply the scale of you want to know if your relationship's in a good place or if it's headed for success. Like look at the weight of positivity versus negativity overall, like which one's heavier. And he's like, it's really as simple as that. Like, are there more positive feelings and experiences or are there more negative experiences? And um, that just gives you like a clear indication of like, where are you going in this relationship or where do you see yourself going based on where the weight naturally is heavier? Um, I, th I think the caution with that, Stephanie, is it's about context and backstory because I think if, if one of you is going through something that is hellish, then I think it's not balanced to be dismissive of the fact that maybe right now in your current relationship, it's a little rocky. Because I think if there's a backstory that would warrant rockiness, it isn't even about you or your partner. It's about what they go, they're going through. It isn't a direct correlation to how they feel about you or how the relationship is. So I would put a caveat in there because there is a time where I'm sure um, I'm probably in a negative space, but for good reason, you know, I lost my grandfather not too long ago, you know, so you would expect, you know, there to be some negative emotion where I don't want to talk maybe, or don't want to, you know, cuddle or whatever that looks like for an individual. It doesn't always have to mean, I think backstory and context is really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a great point. And I think that, you know, we have to, what we have to get better at as humans in relationships is determining you know, what is this person, like understanding the context of a person and being able to separate ourselves personally from that context, you know, is probably the next point to make. Like when we do know our partner is struggling with something, are we going to take every like offense to how they react to us and then assume that it has to do with us or our relationship? Or are we going to be more understanding and anticipate that person's needs based on the situation that they're going through? Um, so, yeah, I think that's, you know, that emotional intelligence aspect of understanding that, hey, like, this isn't about me right now. They're dealing with something that is obviously very traumatic or emotional, and I can't blame myself or get our relationship tied into, you know, the reaction to this emotional event. Um, but, yeah, that is a great point. I think... Um, Another point I wanted to bring up is like, what's interesting is like you said, it's like no one's fault. It takes two for a relationship to go somewhere and to be in a certain place. What I find, uh, what I find interesting is like, you think of people who are victims of physical abuse or emotional abuse in relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, like, for instance, I was in an emotionally abusive relationship with a narcissist that lasted two and a half years. And I would, when I finally got out of the relationship, I looked back and I was like, wow, like immediately when I got out, I thought, I can't believe I was with him. He was such an asshole. He treated me terribly. I was emotionally abused again and again. And it's like, how could he have done this? What type of person is he? And it was a lot of blame and it was a lot of resentment and judgment and hurt and pain. And I just saw myself as, you know, being emotionally abused. Therefore, it was his fault. And I was the victim and I was the abused one. But then, you know, later down the road, as I grew to understand that relationship and healed from it, I realized, 
wait, why did I allow that? Or I, I started to ask myself, why did I allow myself to sit in that relationship for two and a half years and be treated that way? Like what, a, what was it about me that just kept taking that and allowed it to happen? So it's like, I think in those situations, like people, um, like what would you say in those situations where people actually are victims of, you know, some sort of abuse when they do, when they actually do have a way out? I know sometimes a way out can be different for depending on circumstance, but I had a way out and I didn't take it. And it's like, do you look at that as being equally, you know, our, I don't want to say our fault, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. I think, like I said, need to come away from blame as, as much as possible. Um, everybody's situation relationship is going to have a lot of personal factors around it. So I don't really feel like you can say, you know, one, you know, glove fits all on, on something so delicate. And there's certain things in a relationship I've never experienced. So I would hate to ever offer my opinion on something that I've never experienced. It's the only reason we have like understanding is, is when we've been through it ourselves, but there's certain situations, you know, where, you know, I've not been in. So it's, I'm being trying to be very sensitive toward those that, that have there because, you know, that's, that's important. I mean, relationships are, are, are work and they are hard because we're innately selfish and we are focused on our needs like that's how most of us are, are wired uh, and a relationship obviously is is about uh like compromise and and, and sacrifice and uh putting the other first and and yet you know we all me included in particular will squawk for 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 my needs uh, to be met um and obviously the world we live in at the moment, I feel like people's needs are, are, are massively increased because of uh, COVID and the restrictions we have in terms of society and, you know, being able to reach, you know, others. So I think it does put, you know, strain on relationships because of, because of that. Um, but, but focusing back on, on what you said, um, around like responsibility of finding a way out in a in a relationship it, it's it, it's interesting because it's sometimes bad attention is still attention and I think it depends on where you're at in, in your own life there's certain things that you would have put up with earlier in your in your life than you would now and the same for me there's certain things that I was more tolerant of and now I'm less tolerant of because I'm I know the I know the context and I have the history of being able to learn and see what was really going on there. Um, the the main thing for me with the with the relationship is the fact you've got two people that want to grow, and you don't have somebody who just constantly makes excuses and says this is the way that I am, so put up with it. Like for me. You know, I know we talked, I think, in the first one about what we want in a partner. Uh, and I also talked about, uh, actually, it's looking at who you need to be in order to attract the partner that you want. And then also looking at, actually, what what you don't want uh, in a partner. 
which I find gets lost sometimes. So you can find the perfect person in terms of they do this, this, and this. What you haven't done is looked at what you don't want, and that, that can then sometimes cause a problem. I think if you're not in a relationship now, you, in some ways you have a chance to make sure you try a, try and improve your odds of having a successful relationship by by really getting that bottomed out in terms of, you know, I want somebody who is going to grow with me. They're going to improve. They want to build something that's bigger than them. You know, value system is, is similar, that they do things with heart, that they're kind, they have good energy, they're available, they're affectionate, whatever that, whatever that is. Um, that's where I think, you know, most people can really benefit if they're not in a relationship right now to really hunker down on what that is. Because you've either got, in life, we're either reactive or we're proactive. You know, there's that saying that uh, prevention is better than cure. Mm. Yeah, I agree with that. And it's like, you know, you have those experience, you have poor experiences in life, which actually help you create those lists. So it's like, you know, even me leaving and healing from that relationship, I learned so much in terms of, you know, taking ownership over my own strength. Like what are signs I need to look for next time I'm in a relationship? What red flags look similar to this relationship? You know, you learn so much by just talking to people and dating people. And I think that a lot of people get frustrated in the dating process, but it's really like, all right, this person is just think of it as them making you stronger to prepare you more for, you know, the person you're supposed to be with. I think that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable here because I think I'm saying it for, for others while, while being extremely vulnerable about myself. Um, but I, I'm comfortable to do it because I think, you know, it's only through being honest that people can really connect, you know, with that. Now, when we hear red flag, we automatically think, you know, that's a problem. Um, I know that there's been tendencies in me which have been experienced by others and they've labeled it a red flag. So, and I'll be honest with this. So there was times in my life before, because I came from a broken family. So my parents divorced when I was eight. Um, and if anybody knows about attachment theory, you know, uh, with that in particular, I had more of an anxious attach attachment because my mum left. Um, and so she wasn't always available to me. And that obviously gave me anxiety as a, as a child. And so what I found in some of my relationships is that I had some tendencies of insecurity. Um, and typically in life, like when something's valuable to you, you want to you wanna hold it close because your biggest fear is losing it. So if you, if you take a pen and you put it around your hand, um, you, you are holding it tight because you fear losing that. And you have that association, in my case, of, you know, my mum my leaving the family home. So, so as an adult, I had the insecurity of uh, fearing me losing something. Now, if, if your partner is the pen, that isn't nice for the partner because they're going to feel suffocated, maybe a little controlled, uh, maybe a little stifled. Right now, if you think of it objectively and you just look at it, you know, the eight year old Mark who 
had the devastation of coming from a broken family who picked up some insecurities really based out of fear. The only reason he's holding that pen is not to control. It's not to stifle. It's, it's fear of losing. And the interesting thing is, is when, when that red flag got raised in, in previous relationships, I can understand fully how that must feel for the pen. And actually the last thing that I ever wanted to do was to ever make, you know, a past partner feel controlled or, or manipulated or stifled. In fact, I want the opposite. I want them to be free. I want them to, I want them to fly. I want them to succeed. Um, but when, when somebody mentioned the red, red flag of that, it kind of made me feel crappy because if I could control that impulse and that fear, then I would. The intricacy and the delicateness of this, I still understand the fact that your partner who's the pen that you're holding tight, that don't feel good. And that's as important as it is about your insecurity. But that's when you have to look upon things with a little more understanding, a little more grace. Because from my point of view, I didn't want to be holding so tight. I acknowledge that my fear was a fear of loss. I acknowledge that it doesn't feel good, but it wasn't because I was trying to, um, you know, bully or control or manipulate or stifle. It was actually nothing about my partner. It was about my own reaction to a memory that scarred me as a child. And so I'm mentioning that vulnerably purely because when people see a red flag, they think that they shouldn't have a relationship with somebody where there's a red flag. And in some cases that is true and you'd be stupid to uh, ignore the warning, but I'm just asking people to pause because if that person actually, for example, is seeing a psychologist or is getting help or is saying, you know, I'm desperately trying to get to this point where I, I'm not controlling you, I'm not stifling you, um that's really important especially in the context of why this is happening and of course nobody should be controlled and nobody should be manipulated but equally nobody should not be in a relationship with someone who's so honest so vulnerable and wanting to actually move beyond so for me it's always about growth for me stephanie does that does my partner want to grow do they want to heal do they want to improve so I'm just I'm just calling that out because I kind of I I in some cases I think everybody has a red flag. Oh yeah, I just, totally. I just I just think the connotations of it are not always they don't at least land well in me. Mm. Well, I think it depends. It depends how you look at red flags because for me it's like for me I'm so to be vulnerable from my side. Yeah. Um, I'm an avoidant. So I am more likely to get very repulsed by attached, by anxious attachment styles because I run from them. Like, and yet you love me. <laughs> yeah, I love you. <laughs> Isn't that that's crazy? Because, that's because I'm in a secure attachment now. And I, there's still a few little strands of anxious, but for the mm-hmm. most part, in a secure attachment. Yeah. And I like to say I'm the same. I like to say that I did a lot of work on myself to get from avoidant to more secure, but there's definitely still avoidant in me. So when I do, and my last, my most recent ex was an anxious attachment. And that was actually the reason for our breakup. 
for me, I just had to get out. I had to escape. I had to breathe. And um, what was interesting was I like the way I see red flags is okay. Like the way I look at them now is okay. That's something that, you know, I had a previous experience with that wasn't too great. Um, What can I do in this relationship to understand it more or to make, to get my partner to open up about it more so that I fully understand, you know, if they are aware of it and what they're doing, what they're doing with it. And then also know where I'm coming from. Mm. So I think it's just a red flag for me is like something where it's like, all right, you should probably communicate around this before I push back and run away and just, you know, so that's the way I see it because, you know, coming from how you're explaining it, if, if you were to come forward with, you know, if we were in, if we started being in a relationship and you came forward and expressed that and said, Hey, like, here's the reason for this. This is my intention going forward with it. I'm working on it. This is what I'm doing. Then that would put me at ease where it's like, okay, like, I don't have to worry that this person's just going to cling and, you know, rely on me and take be this, try to create this codependency because those are all things I don't want. But if I understand that this person's understanding of their situation and working on it, then that puts me at ease. And I think there's just a lot of lack of communication around attachment styles and because people get afraid, like they just, you know, they see a habit from the person. They're like, wait, I don't know if I like this. This is too much. And they just feel something and then avoid it or, you know, run forward and cling to it instead of really having a conversation about like, you know, why they are this way, why they feel that way and what they feel they need to do to appease each other. Um, which I think everyone should read the book attached and get very familiar with what type of attachment style they are and, you know, what that looks like to have a conversation about it so that you can assure your partner that, you know, your intentions are, are good. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's worth saying, you know, that one part doesn't make a whole, like, if we're looking for like the perfect person, they don't exist. I think, again, it goes back to what I said. It's that desire to learn, desire to grow, and actually getting the support, the help, the tools uh, says what that person's intentions are. We've all got, we've all picked up baggage from life experiences, from culture, from upbringing, um, from other relationships, from expectations, from society, you know, and... um, it's important to to see the whole of, of somebody. It's a bit like a prism. It may have several sides and some of them may be not attractive or not positive, but then other sides, you know, are beautiful and they're attractive and confident and strong. And it's important to remember that, you know, one part doesn't make the whole. I think it's the I think it's the essence and the projection of how somebody is which for me would concern me or comfort me the most. I think it is that ability to say you know what I'm owning this. I know this isn't pretty in me. I acknowledge how it makes you feel. This is why it's happening. I I'm not trying, you know, to do this but you know, I'm, I'm working with someone, you know, I'm dedicated to making sure cuz I know that at the moment all that's happening is I feel anxious. You're running a mile. That makes me even more anxious. 
it then makes you feel chased and then you're in a bad cycle and that's just that's hell for both of you and what you want then is to think how can I make him less anxious and he's thinking how can I make her not feel chased uh, and you to- you're looking at it from a totally different angle and when you do feel chased and when he does feel anxious for there to be a lot more grace and understanding for both because no, no one trumps the other you know anxiety doesn't trump somebody's need for space and somebody's need for space doesn't trump somebody's need for affirmation so it's really important because i find, find that sometimes it can just be people think he doesn't give me space and he might be thinking you know she doesn't affirm me enough but like and both are important not, not one trumps but that's when you can't keep going back and forth like ping pong You've got to find a way. Otherwise, you know, it's game over. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely difficult when, because of the differences in attachment, like sexual desire can dwindle. Because, for example, like with my, um, with my ex, like he would do things that were, that just seemed so needy and then turned me off and made me want to spend less time with him. And it was so hard for me to like, come from that place of understanding that he needs more affirmation, but like I could only give so much and I would like put myself out there and like do as much as I thought appropriate. But then it got to the point where it was just like, felt like it was just sucking the energy out of me. And I was like, all right, I can't give you any more. Like now I have to leave and recover by myself. And it was kind of that feeling where it's like, all right, I need to get energy myself now. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a crazy introvert. So like, I need a lot of alone time in order to pick my energy up. Um, So it was just, that was very hard because I felt like I gave as much as I, as I could as a person. And, and because he needed more, it was like, I don't, I'm not even attracted to you anymore. Cause like, you're just taking all the life out of me. And like, so I wonder if that has to do with, you know, just that specific relationship dynamic or if that has to do with, you know, not because I know not everyone is meant for everyone, but would you, do you think that was more like the specific, the specifications of that relationship or was that more just the communication wasn't effective enough? Well, I think like, I mean, everybody as humans, we're all beautifully different. Um, So I don't always prescribe to, you know, our experience being the experience for everybody or one problem in my relationship doesn't mean that if you've got that problem in your relationship, it's going to end in the, in the same place. I mean, for you in terms of how you're feeling, you have to ask yourself, did I communicate? This is how I felt, or did I make that decision and said, right, we're done. And and then you understanding why you made that, but them still not having a clue what it was like. And sometimes Sometimes we have to spell it out because there's going to be, if you're saying you're an extreme introvert, you're going to have needs that I don't even think about because I'm an extreme extrovert and vice. Mm. So it's really hard. The hardest thing in relationships for me is to meet the need of someone else where I don't have the need myself. If, if you have a need for something, it's very easy to give that need, you know, for somebody else. You know, so for example, if you need, yeah, if you need a lot of space, if 
you give your boyfriend a lot of space, he may interpret that, that you're not really into him that much because, you know, you're hardly speaking to him. Whereas, you know, if he if he's kind of calling you all the time, you know, and inviting you to things, you're going to you're going to think, man, this guy's too much. So it ha- you have to for the sake of your relationship. I mean, you're with that person for a reason. Like you must discuss and be honest, even if it's painful, it's going to cause a fight. Um, it's better to do that than to just make a decision for you to know exactly why and that person not to. And it does take courage and it's not the easy way out, which is why a lot of people end something and the other person doesn't really have a Scooby-Doo. And yet that's partly because you're thinking he must be stupid if he doesn't know how he's making me feel. But actually, if his need is not that or your need is not that, that's where we come unstuck because it's very easy for me to meet the need of someone that I have the need of myself. But if their need is different, that's uh, that's more tricky. Mm. That's a really good point because yeah, if someone, you know, if I'm in a relationship where with another more so leaning toward the avoidant where they need more space and are very independent in like pretty much everything they do, like they like to do things by themselves and like, like to, if they need that or ask for that, I just like, I'm like, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's like so easy to give that. And it's like, I understand. Cause it's like, I feel that mm-hmm. I never thought of it that way, but yeah, it's definitely, I think about like, you know, the best relationships I've had and they were always with people who were similar to me in that way, where it was just easy to understand them. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Cause sometimes you can pick a partner where it's easy doesn't always mean it will be the best one for you. You might have less headaches, less heartache, but something that I, that I heard today, which actually I'm going to do a a clubhouse with about is, um, um, when you hurt the most, you grow the most. And, none of us like to hurt, none of us like conflict, none of us like pain. But not during that moment does it feel good or comfortable, but maybe afterwards, maybe that conflict, that fight, that challenge, maybe a week or two or a month or two down the road actually serves us for our greater good. So relationships are beautiful but they're also extremely complex and and some things you can solve and some things you can't but again if you've got to like i keep repeating this because for me this is key if you've got two people that are dedicated to grow and to work on themselves then that is right because it wouldn't be right for you stephanie just to say you know i need my space i need my space and he's saying i need closeness i need closeness and there has to be give and take where he does give you space and you do give him closeness, even if you want space. And even if he wants closeness, you have to, because it's a, it's a basic need that you both have. No, no one is greater than the other, no need. And that's where relationships have to work harder. And it isn't easy because when you're gagging for an hour to yourself and he's gagging for an hour of affection, those two worlds collide you're both going to lose. You're both going to feel like crap. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Love that. I'm um I'm reading Nonviolent Communication. I don't know if you ever read it, but it's an incredible book, one of my new favorite books of all time. And it talks a lot about communicating um, through needs of the other of the other person and really getting to the root of what does that person need and finding out their need as soon as you can. And also, you know, understanding your own need and making sure that those needs are understood by both people. Because, you know, when it comes to conflicting um, conversations and arguments or people who just randomly lash out or women who, you know, men who lash out or women who just randomly say something really bitchy, like we just immediately go into defense, right? It's always like, like, why would you say that? And like, oh yeah, I always do that. Why would you say like, and it just turns into this thing where immediately we're defending ourselves instead of trying to understand, okay, like this isn't about me. What does my partner need right now? And just trying to immediately get in the habit of immediately searching for the need every time that we have an interaction, like what is the need? Um, yep. So I think, you know, that's, that's a good segue to go from attachment theory to, to just needs in personal conversations and really that's where listening skills thrive. Like that's when you become such a great listener and you, and the other person feels heard because, you know, you help them acknowledge their need and you, you validate it. And it's kind of like, we hardly ever get that because we're always so defensive and, you know, protecting ourselves. Hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know what question I was going, getting at here, but <laughs> I just think it's really, you know, interesting. And I was wondering, you know, what are your thoughts on, besides attachment theory, when it comes to like conflicting conversations between men and women, especially, um, what do you think is one way that uh, the men listening can be more, more open to searching for the need and less defensive trying to protect themselves as like the strong man who should know everything? I think everything starts with intention. I think if you really have a heart for this relationship, really have a heart for your woman, then you're going to have to sadly uh, accept the fact that you're going to have to do a little bit of uh, soul searching and, and thinking outside of yourself, which doesn't come easy because like I said, we're innately selfish and typically we look for our own needs being met Um it's never good when we're having to shout our own needs and blaming our partner for not meeting them. Uh, it's much better to meet your partner's needs and them to meet yours and it to be much more free flow, which is kind of what you want to get to where it's like you have an understanding that not every need that, that your partner has is, is actually about you. Cause I know that, you know, in relationships, you know, I've taken things personally before and actually it's had nothing to do with me, got nothing to do with me about how important I am, how special I am, how much I'm loved by them. And yet there's been times where you do take, you know, you do take things like personally. Um, in terms of uh, the looking at the need of, of your, your partner, I think that comes from, like I said, the overriding do you love this person? Do you have the energy to, to go through a bit of pain in order to start thinking? Um, I personally think, because I got so much benefit from working with a psychologist, 
I actually think that everybody should have a psychologist because I think we all have thoughts, struggles, ideas that don't serve us, that cause us problem. And honestly, I think I almost feel like it should be like law almost that you should have you should have a have a psychologist somebody that you can actually process uh with the way that you think um but it isn't until you're able to put yourself in a place of strength can you then look uh at the needs of other so you know my encouragement to men is to keep working on themselves um realize that communication is better than than silence i think i think it's better to have conflict than it is to stay silent because then you do build up the resentment you do build up the bitterness um it isn't the easy way to speak your mind to have conflict it's painful you say things that hurt the other but actually i'd rather have that than for somebody to just walk away from me and me not really understand them or them not really understanding me. So, you know, my thought would be around, around, around that, I think. I like that. Yeah. And I think it's like, even acknowledging, I think a big thing too, is like in the moment when you are hearing them, just immediately, you know, try to empathize with, how they're feeling. So like even asking a question right off the bat of, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like you're pretty frustrated right now, or it sounds like you're feeling angry. Like, are you angry at me because of this? And then just putting it out there so they can either correct you or they can agree. And like, you know, that way they feel heard and they feel like you're kind of looking for the answer or looking for a way to communicate. And I think often we, we don't really look for that. You know, so I think even just communicating in a way that shows we're looking and we're trying um, without saying I'm trying here, you know, that's like everyone's go to. It's like, it's like, okay, but like express, you know, be more expressive in in relating to the person if that person's angry. And like you said, it's like temporary pain. It's not like don't think of it as something so terrible you have to defend yourself for. It's just like a temporary discomfort where you have to put your ego aside and and try to, you know, help, help your partner understand, you know, their own needs and, and show that you understand them as well. Yeah. I think on the, on the first, on our first talk about relationships, uh, I was talking about having these like regular check-ins. And I think if you have them, it, you won't be as defensive because it's an automatic conversation point. So rather than you having to say, you know, did I do something wrong? What do you need right now? Like, cause when you do that in the middle of it, sometimes there is more of a negative reaction. Cause then it sounds like it is about you. Like I said earlier, sometimes it isn't actually about your partner. It's more, more about that person. Um, so I think having the check-ins helps be able to keep that communication going um, without it needing to be defensive because it's something that you've set in motion and you and it's just something that we do you know so I would always encourage relationships to do that especially in in the early times of their their relationship to kind of set the precedence that we're gonna have regular check-ins about you know 
our happiness within the relationship, you know, our goal within the relationship is good to have relationship goals, uh, both things that you want to aim for together, uh, maybe a goal that you have for each other or for yourself, um, something that's agreed upon that can be fun, that can create that safe, you know, environment. I think that's going to, that's going to be really helpful. Yeah. I think that also, you know, it keeps you, like you're saying, it keeps you from emotionally reacting where yes. sometimes people just hold it in and they're like, it's just going to like, it just explodes out of nowhere. It's like, I never liked your mom. And it just like comes out of like, you know, the question was, do you like ice cream? <laughs> like, do you want ice cream? It's like, like something so random will happen and we'll just immediately react. And then all this shit comes out because we held it in for so long um, when it's just not the proper time to bring it up. So I think when people, um, you know, when you do have that time that you can rely on and you know, you can release everything at that time, at least you have time to think about it too, where it's like, all right, I'm going to bring this up on Sunday's check-in, you know, and we check in with each other. And then you maybe you have a few days and you're like, all right, you know what, this isn't, now that I think about it, like, it's not as emotional as I thought. I don't need to be like react this way as much as I thought. And you kind of have time to reflect more than just let everything pent up and then build up inside you and then just release it in a way that you don't want to. So I think the check-ins are really good for that as well to not emotionally react, but to have that safe space that you can actually be prepared for and communicate much more effectively and calmly. We just smashed through the Anna, Stephanie. We'll be having like part three, four, five, six. (laughs) I know. So good. I love this stuff. I love going deep in, in all this stuff. Cause there's just so much to it. And like, it's, it is so complex and there's so many different avenues you could take it, which is why I love what I do. <laughs> You're right. Complex is, is the word because, you know, as humans we're individual. So there's always going to be some exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always going to be different dynamic like it's unique your your relationship with your partner is different to any other relationship with anybody else you know it's very much an individual expression so of course there's complexities and when the needs are so strong and almost like the opposite like i said one of the one of the big challenging ones is that one of one has a need for space. The other one has a need for, you know, affirmation, you know, having those two needs, which are both genuine and, 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 and fine to have when those two like hit and collide, that's when it does become really complex. And we have to go easy on ourselves, but on each other. Otherwise the world is hard enough without having the world being hard within your own castle, within your own home. It's like, I have a partner because, you know, I want them to to comfort me and, and to help me do better than what I could ever do on my own. And I want to provide that for them too. You know, we have to be a little more careful, uh, a bit more mindful. But again, as I've said throughout this talk, it's really about a commitment to grow and a commitment to each other. And if you're in a loving relationship uh, and you're working on yourself uh, and, and you know when to say sorry and you're man and woman enough to apologize when you do wrong, 
and you've got a clear vision of where you want your relationship to go, then really it's saddle up and let's go, you know, that's it. Love that. Beautiful way to wrap it up, Mark. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> great. Enjoyed it. All right. Once again, where can the guys find you if they want more information about you? Yeah. So marksefton.com. I'm on all the social media. I'm starting to do regular clubhouses about a whole periphery of different talks. I mean, I love people. Relationships are the bedrock of everything we do. Starts with the relationship with ourselves, then with others. You know, love interacting, you know, with people. So you can find me on all the major social media channels and you can say hi and I'll interact. I, I'll never be too big for people, you know. He loves to talk. I <laughs> Just like I love to talk, love to engage, and I do love to listen, but most of all, I love a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Thanks so much. And we probably will do a part three eventually. No problem. Keep the the deep convos going, but I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.